I wanted to be out there, you know, halfway up Half Dome or out in the Amazon exploring this new mountain. You know, something that was really exciting and adventurous. And I realized that with, within the business world, the adventure was in starting a business. Uh, you know, it was within entrepreneurship. <laughs> Hello, friends. That's Asa Firestone, a self-proclaimed washed-up explorer turned entrepreneur. I'm big mountain skier and adventurer, Lindsay Dyer, and this is the Showing Up Podcast. I started these conversations to reconnect with real humans again, in the spirit of progress over perfection, to inspire the unicorn in you to show up for yourself confront the unknown, and expand into flow. Lisa co-founded the Boulder Adventure Lodge, aka the A-Lodge, and has also co-founded several successful nonprofit organizations focused around the outdoors. These include Climb for Colorado, Adventure Forward, and Centro de Escalanda Urbana. In this conversation, we go deep on understanding the journey that is life and Asa's road to entrepreneurship. This is an awesome conversation. Another one. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, so let's just paint the picture. It's January in the heart of outside of Boulder, Colorado, uh, in a, up a beautiful canyon, and I'm walking with... Uh, my name is Asa Firestone, and I'm the owner of the A-Lodge in Boulder, Colorado. And we're having a beautiful discussion about entrepreneurship, about serving a community, uh, and about uh, following your dream, right? Uh, and not not in a fluffy sort of way, but a very practical, uh, conscious. Essentially, you're taking care of your community. You're wanting to make a real business and and make some money, as well as doing what you love, which is serving the outdoors and helping other people enjoy that too. It's pretty rad. Yeah, I mean that's if. That's the goal, you know. I don't know if we're achieving those things, but we're def- we're certainly uh, trying to. I mean, you know, what's the point of starting a business if you're not having fun? You know, what's the point of working your ass off if you're not going to make some money? Um, and what's the point of living in a community if you're if you can't help that community and be part of it and help it grow? Um, so hopefully, that's what we're trying to do here, and to paint a picture. So. Uh, we are at the A-Lodge, which is two miles from downtown Boulder. Uh, it's a 29-room hotel uh, with 12 hostel beds and two campsites. Uh, we're the only hostel in camping in Boulder, Colorado. So we're just kind of getting situated. Uh, but I do it, this podcast, I, yeah, I don't have a budget for it. I don't have <laughs> official editing or anything. I just, I feel like our, our people, our outdoors people deserve a voice. And so often we have, uh, we're known for what we can do. Like, oh, that's crazy what you do. But you've never really heard these athletes. And not all of them have much to say. But some of them have a, not just a lot to say, but a real message behind uh, why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, Honold was, um, I think we all can can somewhat relate to trying to find perfection in whatever, whatever is your thing, perfection in art, perfection in business, you know, like ultimate efficiency. Yeah. Perfection and free soloing. Exactly. And that's just his expression of, of finding, yeah, 
pure, I don't know, flow. Those are the only words I can come up with. So essentially, I, I just wanted to give, I, I've also lost so many of my good friends that are absolute wizards in this life, assuming they can do anything, and, uh, and they're not here anymore to capture that. Like, Dean Potter was, was someone who had so much to say, right? And, and I had a beautiful, nonverbal like, communication with him in one of the most powerful ways. <laughs> That's the fire behind yeah. me. I might have to move. Um, yeah, you want to stay? Essentially, I, I once, this is kind of off topic, but I once uh, was shooting uh, with Jimmy Chin on the top of El Cap for National Geographic, and I was just like there <laughs> being like a helper, right? Trying to stay out of the way because it was really stressful. And they were about to go shoot um, Dean Potter and... Oh, when he was free-soloing a certain section of... Well, Cap, him and right? three other guys. Yeah. And essentially, we knew what we were doing. Um, obviously, it's, it's dangerous, and there's a lot of pressure. For um, Jimmy had a lot of pressure on him to, to get the, the most epic shots that have ever been gotten in climbing. <laughs> That's a lot to ask. Yeah. So he's got a lot on his shoulders. He's got um, some amazing assistants that are there. And, uh, and I had felt so lucky that I got to fly in late and go to the costume shop and get <laughs> Dean Potter, the wizard, his freaking mask, his wizard mask, so that we could shoot um, and not give these guys identities away. They all had to have masks on. So it was fully like watching a superhero <laughs> mentor these three other dudes to all jump off El Cap together at the same time. And he had, he had such grace, and he was so calm and so humble and so in tune, um, his energy, because he used his energy. I watched it from sitting on a rock. I watched him calm these other guys down, um, make them know exactly what they needed to do. He was such a wizard and such a master. I have to say that's one of the reasons I wanted to start this, because there's so many wizards, right? And, and I think they have a lot to teach us. And um, no one really got to hear his voice. You know, he did make a, a film or two in the end. I would always meet up with him in, uh, uh, in his various life, life stages in uh, Telluride at Mountain Film. And, you know, one year he'd be the, the deep, dark wizard, like <laughs> clearly a raven in a human body. Yeah. And, well, and, and remember that film, The Aerialist, yeah. which was about him. I think um, Brad, uh, uh, I can't remember filmmaker but um it came out in like 2008 and it was mind-blowing and it was that there was like a scene in there where dean potter like turned into a raven yeah yeah, yeah. we all you know it was clearly like his thing yeah i'm sorry I, i'm totally taking us on a tangent but I, I guess i just figured i would go with it an honor for <laughs> this amazing human um and so anyways i'm encountering with this process uh just how special there some some other people are in this industry and then yeah like I said if we all can take a note from something they did well because all of us myself included and you you know are just we're all guessing <laughs> we're yeah. all there's no clear and, path and we're pursuing that state of flow that mm -hmm. you talk about you know you know whether it's you know Dean Potter you know base jumping off El Cap or um, Alex Honnold free soloing El Cap I mean, you know, starting a hotel is not that at all, but it's, it's in risk. the pursuit of something similar, of almost the same thing, which is finding that state of flow, because 
you know, you're exactly right. I mean, I think there's a parallel between entrepreneurship and expeditions and because you've, you've got risk involved, you've got that passion that somehow drives you to take those risks. Then you have to find a team and Mm. just go and suffer. And you have to be willing to (laughs) fail. I think that's a huge thing that I'm learning is, is success comes to those who are willing to fail, who are willing to go out and, and try a bunch of times and make some mistakes and not, not let that be um, something to be ashamed of, but to absolutely use it as a data point and, and to move on. You know, of course, that doesn't mean you can uh, make enemies. <laughs> That's yeah. not a data point that I'm, I'm willing to fail at, but um, I'm just noticing that more and more. And, and it's absolutely universal between entrepreneurs, I think, and athletes. So. Yeah, and I think that if you look at any of these wizards that you speak of, they had to go through failures to become a wizard. You can't become a wizard by just having a win every single time because that means you're not actually pushing yourself. And hard you <clears throat> you have to be willing to be the weird one. Like I think all of us at some point probably in our youth just felt like we didn't fit in and that's kind of the trade-off of when you finally embrace your weirdo. <laughs> that is the open niche that needs to be filled on the planet. And I think sometimes we can spend half of our lives like hating that part about us. For me it was like grow up. Like, would you grow up? You're just a little kid. Um, and I, I was kind of like ashamed of that. Like, you've got to grow up. Um, but now I'm realizing that's like who I am intrinsically. And by embracing it, I can be a greater service to the world. And it means loving myself more and letting go of this like universal, this is how you're supposed to look. This is how you're, you will be accepted if you fit in in these ways. Yeah. I, every time yeah, I've taken beautiful. that route, it's been... Um, amazing things have happened, but then I forgot. Like, that's how I created my ski career, <laughs> you know, out of nothing. <laughs> so anyways, again, tangents. But uh, what I wanted to talk to you about is, is how, you know, all of those things are universal, in, in, especially in business. Because um, you, you, you are an athlete, and then you took that into um, the world of business. So I think that we all have that crossover, and I'd love yeah. to hear about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool that you recognize that, and um, it's not everybody who thinks of business and entrepreneurship as being an, an adventure, you know, but that really is what it is, and that's what attracted me to it personally. Um, you know, in 2007, I got a grant from National Geographic, and... Um, You're how old are you? I'm 35 now. Um, so I, I'm going to let you tell the story and sure. then just so you know, I, I want you to take us to the beginning. Sure. So tell us this one and then, and then let's go to trajectory of how you, how sure. you got, sure. got here. So, um, well, I, I was just kind of thinking through, um, how I got turned on to the adventure of business. And I think it was back in 2007, I got a grant to go on this crazy adventure in the Amazon. Um, we we're going to go. Uh, climbed this peak in the middle of the deepest, darkest part of the Amazon called Serra Aretitiope. And um, Rick Ridgway and uh, Todd Skinner had climbed it in like 92. And nobody had been back there pretty much since. And um, we were going to go climb this face that was steeper that nobody had ever climbed before. And, of course, we get out there. We spend two weeks in a boat trying to get out to this destination. We're in military zone of Venezuela. Um, so, and this is during the time of Cesar uh, Chavez. So it was pretty sketchy. 
And then we wound up just getting totally stumped by the jungle. Um, we had uh, Yanomami natives as porters, and they were not, in, they'd never done portering before. They didn't really no. get it. So it was kind of a bad situation. We were stomp, you know, romping through, uh, you know, poisonous snake infested areas. And, you know, it just didn't work. Um, we had to turn around, and it was like this huge disappointment. But I came out of that, and we wound up climbing this other big wall over on um, near Angel Falls on Acapon, um, putting up a first ascent. And, but it was just that whole experience of getting out there, having this passion to go accomplish this thing, getting a team together, um, and then just going out there and suffering and being determined and stubborn to, you know, even if we failed, we were going to pull something else off. We are going to figure it out. And, and what, um, would, what would pulling something else off mean? Well, it was what happened to us. Our main objective, we completely failed at. Which is typical. Um, which is typical, first, you know. But it's how do shot. you, exactly. And it's, and it's how do you react to that? How do you, uh, because people are going to always bump into obstacles or barriers that honestly aren't, you can't overcome control. them, but you can divert and you can be resourceful. And what we did is we said, okay, well, let's extend our trip and we're already down here. We're going to go to this other area that's a lot easier to get to. It was a flight and a hike in. And then we have access to, you know, 2,000 foot big wall first ascent potential. And we were able to pull, pull one off with five days on the wall. And we named it Lost in Venezuela, fittingly. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was that experience that then got me thinking about how starting a business would be similar to that type of, of an adventure, it, you know, more socially and intellectually versus um, physically, but it was still an adventure with real risk, real reward, and real camaraderie um, with your teammates. Wow, so is it? Yeah, I mean, it's been, um, you know, in starting the A-Lodge, we had this concept for a climber's hostel in Boulder, you know, we, we thought we were just going to get a small house and pull it together, but zoning didn't really let us do that. Um, we wound up with this big opportunity to, and it, with an investor to go in on a 20, essentially a 30 room hotel. And we got started on it and, you know, it's a bigger project than we thought we were All trying to is, get right? into. Don't yep. they say like, take the budget that you think it's going to be double, double or it. triple it, triple it, quadruple it. Yeah. Well, and that's what happened to us is we started working on redoing this lobby that we're sitting in now. When we opened it up, there was no foundation in the building. Did, and you, did you open it up before you bought it or is no, this after? No, this so is, like, this so is like, tell me the whole after. crop. Oh, okay. So you didn't realize that the foundation wasn't sound before you bought it? Yeah. We had no idea. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Why would you do that? Come on. <laughs> well, we didn't know. And then at that, at that point, we, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess we could have like gone and tried to sue the former owner, be like, you sold us something that you didn't uh, disclaim, you didn't, you know, notify that there's this issue with the foundation. But it's like, you know what, what's the point of that? You know, and, and honestly, it was still a big opportunity for us. It's still going to work out financially, even though it costs us five times as much as we thought. It took three years instead of six months. So tell me, tell me how you input that into the original business model, where it could, it could take those significant shifts in, versus well, what you're expecting. We got lucky. We, uh, Boulder was going through a very um, 
Well, the real estate prices were going through the roof. Rent was going up really quickly in the last three years. And Boulder especially was just getting this huge influx of, yeah. of people and visitors, yeah. um, partly with the legalization of, of marijuana, partly with uh, just Boulder kind of getting on the radar, um, Colorado being a, you know becoming a really popular place to move. And what happened is that we were able to uh, double our revenues. Yeah, what's up, dude? We're pausing for, for neighbor, for the neighbors to. So we just had a little uh, <laughs> pause as friends walked in and out. And um, so back to the story, you had just come back from this amazing adventure. And how did you apply it to getting into the business world? Well, so when I got that grant from National Geographic, I assumed that I was going to pursue the life of an adventure filmmaker and maybe like a professional expedition climber. But out there on that trip, I quickly kind of realized that, you know, I mean, we failed pretty hard at our main objective. Uh, it was this crazy remote peak in the uh, Venezuelan Amazon uh, called Cerro Artitiope. And we just got, you know, it was two week boat ride to get in there. And, um, and then it was a 10 mile hike through the Amazon to get to the base of the mountain. So it was, you know, a ridiculous objective and we failed. And so I kind of realized that, you know, maybe this wasn't um, exactly what I was built for. And maybe instead I would rather uh, apply those skills that I'd learned from expeditions and from climbing and adventure um, to the adventure of business, you know, starting your own business and, and seeing something that you want to be there within society or within your community, like the A-Lodge, for example, like a climber's hostel in Boulder. However, and, but you never had a, a roadmap. Like, you, uh, are there people that have done this ahead of you that you could, you know, that you could look to to say, you know, where's the standard? Or were you literally creating I mean, this out of what you wanted to see in the world? That's a good question. I think that um, for me... Like, obviously, a lot of pro athletes, they, they see pro athletes ahead of them, and they're like, what, that's what I want to be. Like, yeah. what was it for you? Um, you know, I think for me, I was just trying to figure out where I fit in the world, mm. you know, like trying to make my path. And I would, like, try this or try that. I was an engineer for a while, and I was terrible at that. You know, I was never good at, like taking directions from people and then sitting at a computer all day and analyzing small details of a system. Um, I wanted to be out there, you know, halfway up Half Dome or out in the Amazon exploring this new mountain. You know, something that was really exciting and adventurous. And I realized that with, within the business world, the adventure was in starting a business. Uh, you know, it was within entrepreneurship and, you know, it took me, you know, a number of businesses that failed to finally find one that so far seems like it's working. Um, you know, we did, but, but, you know, every time that you do fail, there are things that, uh, persevere from that, not just lessons, but also the impacts with, with people that, that have, influence uh, things to happen in a really good way. For example, a business that, we, that I started in 2012 was called Beyond Gear. And it was to, uh, we were selling climbing jewelry and chalk bags and backpacks 
And in the effort to help fund a climbing program in Brazil that helped at-risk kids get outside to climb. And that business wound up failing, but the program in Brazil has flourished. And it's been part of, you know, it, it's, it's been that whole experience of having that failed business being, that has actually helped that program uh, succeed. Right, make all the mistakes. Yeah, and we learned a lot, and we, and we put a lot of focus into it. Well, what about when you can't fail? So, for example, I felt like when I made the movie, I, I couldn't afford to get my budget incorrect, you know? So, what? and, and it's the same attitude as, as Alex Honnold, right? He can't afford to make a wrong move. So how do we apply that? That's a really good question. I mean, I think that you... You have to have, just like Alex Honnold, just like climbing, uh, you have to have this sense of when you can free solo and when you can't. And for example, you know, I would go over to the dome down the street from me um, and solo the East Slabs route, five, six, and it, I've done it a billion times. And I'll do that any day of the week. Because you know but every I, move. Yeah, because I know every right. move and, and I know and I can do it. However, the... Uh, a person looking at that for the first time would say, that's absolutely crazy. That makes yeah. so much sense. And that's one thing about skiing is that people don't recognize that you have in climbing. And not to cut you off, but for climbers, when you see a film of someone climbing, you're seeing the, the, the final touches of their masterpiece that they've probably been working on for a month to three months, depending on how difficult it really is. And to us, the onlooker, it looks like you're just pulling something off that's insane without ropes. But, you know, Alex, for example, and every other climber, like you said, they are memorizing that route from bottom to top like, like it's a freaking symphony. And exactly. then they get their chance to step up to that one note they haven't hit yet, and then it, they unlock the puzzle, and then they've got it. Yeah, that exactly. That makes so much sense. The trouble with me is, like, I'm thinking of Alex on the wall, and what about freaking birds? Or what about, um, like, he gets stung by a bee? You know what I mean? It's those things that are, like, out of your control or the wind gusts that you, you didn't have the 360 other times that you tried it. Well, I mean, that's why he's able to do what... That's why nobody else does what Alex does right. because he has the ability to withstand those risks and to be able to stay focused right. with, you know, facing that type of... Of, of real consequence. And so you could say the same about a business entrepreneur who is able to, you know, manage all of the risks. You know, let's say he's taken a ton of investment for right. a startup or she has, um, you know, taken on a bunch of debt, you know, or there's a big event, you know, like for, for me, it was like last, like this, the last two days we had this big event mm -hmm. and, there was, I was this close to not having this lobby finished. Wow. Um, and I was super stressed, but it was one of those things that it was worth the reward. The risk was worth the reward for me to have this deadline and to take on this debt to build this hotel lobby. I think that it's all about knowing what you can accomplish and knowing your uh, abilities and than being able to maintain performance even when things are getting really dicey. So, for example, when you're soloing, you know, if you know you can do it, even though it's terrifying and even though the consequences are severe, <laughs> then 
you're going to be more successful and because you're going to stay focused and That's you're going to be climbing point. well. It's kind of like shooting for the moon. So it's like if you know that you can afford to fail a bunch of times, like you're going to you're going to make you more know. mistakes because you can afford to. But yeah. if you're going to shoot for the moon for that one hole in the sky, <laughs> then you are going to do it. You know, wait for the right time. I mean, I'm I'm just seeing yeah. this apply to everything, like relationships or. Yeah, and then um, if you know you can't do it, you have to have the foresight to not jump the gun. You know, Alex Honnold didn't free solo El Capitan before he free soloed Half Dome before he right. free soloed Moonlight. Right. You so, know, he, okay, he so knew he could do it. Let me ask you, just for the conversation's sake, how do we apply this to relationships? We're applying it to, to business. How, how can we apply it? Because I, I feel like... I think that's a great question. I think that it's, it's you got to know that it's the, it's the right fit and then you got to go all in and and be committed to the climb or be committed to the relationship, you know, because you know that it's, it's worth it. And I think that's why you, you wait until, well, and, and I'm just playing, right? This is just conversation. I'm trying, I'm figuring this out as I go or not, but I've never found anything more fun than skiing. (laughs) And, and like he was saying, the, the value of the joy that I get on those few perfect days are enough to, uh, handle any suffering that comes with that. And so therefore, like the, the risk versus reward, or it's not even risk. It's like the, the shitty times are so far less than the, this gift that I've found um, what I call group flow in. And that's why I love it so much, um, because you're communing with nature as well as all your friends around you as you're in motion, breathing. <laughs> um, and I've, I've just never found anything as special. You know, there's moments of it at a concert. There's moments in a car on a road trip. Did you find that flow when you were making your film? Absolutely. Every day was in flow. I was, and I guess another word for it would be intuition and also giving up my, my power, giving up, not my power, but giving up. I don't talk about this, but I, I prayed and I'm not, I wouldn't call myself religious, but, um, but spiritual. And I prayed on behalf of divine feminine to be, to be, uh, <laughs> a conduit on, on, on something bigger than, than I could even comprehend and to stay humble enough. And I, but I little, I prayed like every day, like, please, you know, show, guide this project. If you, if you, you know, want it to happen, um, in a humble way, in a good way, um, in an easy way and in a way that will heal, uh, you know, so asking for that intention and also recognizing that I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never made a movie. I'd never, I didn't go to business school. I didn't know how to build a budget and a spreadsheet and, <laughs> and everyone, no one took me seriously. And I didn't even take myself seriously at first, but I knew that if I got all of our highlights together as women in one place, um, that we could really have an impact and show that we are here, you know, and we are, we are performing at the highest level and you might not be seeing that except for like one chick in the, you know, one part in, in ski movies. And so I got off tangent, but what I was trying to get to is how do we, how do we apply this to relationships? And I think what you were trying to say is the rating system is like, is this giving you so much joy that it's worth maybe some shitty points that come up and therefore, yeah, it's worth a, a little bit of suffering. But it just takes a long time. In, in my experience, I think some people find it quickly. Luckily, with skiing, I found that early. But um, I, I, haven't, I haven't found that too much in my life where it's, it's worth, it's more fun, way more fun than it is the suffering. And therefore, dedicate yourself to it. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, relationships, you know, I, there's nothing really more difficult than that, you know? Why and does everyone say that? Why, why do the first thing people say when they think of relationships is difficult? Because that sounds <laughs> that's shitty. Good, that does like, sound why shitty. would you ever go for that um, then? No, because I think that it's, um, there's so, there's, like you're saying, there's so much uh, good and joy and fulfillment to be had through a good, healthy relationship. But anytime that you put two people together and try to join two humans, separate, living, complex creatures like humans together, it's very difficult because now all of a sudden you have to depend on on someone else, or you for have what? to. Why would you? Why do you, you have to depend on someone else? Well, it's just it's. Depend you know, on them you for don't, what? It, it really depends on the relationship. No, I think in but, the ultimate relationship, you're just uh, if instead of making two, you're making like quadruple like benefit because you make each other the best that you are. There's no dependency. It's all, uh, you inspire me to be the best version of me, to take Mm -hmm. more uh, responsibility and to wake up and... um, you make me want to be better, right? That's yeah. ultimately But you're still me, in a dance with that person. Yeah, I mean, there's still And within a dance, compromise. you have to depend on them to make the right moves at uh. times. You know, it's like, you can't, I mean, you can, I mean, the best relationships, using this dance, this stupid dance metaphor, and I don't, I literally know nothing about relationships. Yeah, I don't I'm either. the worst person I don't even to be know asking. why I'm talking. But, um, <clears throat> however... That's not true. I take it back. Yeah. No self mean words. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time I didn't know anything about relationships. How about that? Yeah. And, and likewise, I've, I've been getting better, um, learning more. And um, anyways, um, the best, using the dance metaphor, the best relationships are ones where you can innovate with your partner and there's um, an unwritten communication going on that allows for a beautiful interaction that isn't fully dependent, but is playful, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, I think that also opens up opportunities to let the other person also be imperfect. (laughs) Me and my partner have this agreement that if... If you got if you hit four out of ten of the balls thrown at you, that you would be uh, in in the MVP. The you know what do you call it in baseball? Um, yeah, I mean, um, batting four hundred is very very rare. Right, and so therefore you get you you have Maybe. all these opportunities to fail, uh, and and to offer someone that within the relationship is pretty awesome. And I not mean like massive mistakes. It's more just like little things like oh. Actually, that wasn't funny at all. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to keep shooting out jokes because I might get, if I got four right, four that you laughed at, like, that's pretty awesome. It just allows you to be creative. And, and I think um, allowing your partner to fail allows. There you go. And it's, and it's going back to this concept of, you know, both adventure and entrepreneurs um, being allowed to fail and relationships. You know, it's like, it seems like one of the things that we're learning is that to be successful, whether it's relationships, whether it's climbing mountains or expeditions or skiing or, or entrepreneurship, that you have to be okay. You have to accept that you might fail and you have to fail in actuality to be successful. That's so funny. I feel like we've just gone on paradoxical like ends of the spectrum. We're just talking about how Alex cannot fail and how, um, 
what a concept that is, you know, and if, if you were to apply that to, to business. But and, he and failed then, a ton of times before he had that one moment. He failed when with, he, pr- with protection. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he went up there and, and would go up and, and take falls, I'm sure, uh, and right. learn the roots and practice it and, and like you were saying, choreograph it, choreograph it mm-hmm. into his own little symphony or his big symphony if he's climbing El Cap. And then once he got, gets it dialed down, that's what I'm saying is that... He takes the training wheels off. Exactly. Right, right. So we have to remember that too in relationships is what you're saying. Yeah. And in life, just not to be so, so hard on yourself when enlightenment? you fail. Is enlightenment the perfect line? <laughs> no, because cause he didn't like... He didn't just <laughs> climb that perfect perfect wall and then evaporate into enlightenment, <laughs> you know, go some to the next level five. <laughs> he's still here and he still has to be human. And I guess that goes for anyone who has had an enlightened moment. Time goes on and you're still here. Yeah. Like yeah. You, that big win or um, where you're really special, then you have to go back and figure out how you're going to eat. And <laughs> Yeah. But I also think that like when you do get that big win, uh, when you do have that moment of enlightenment or you finish that big project, you know, it's also important to take the time to celebrate it and mm-hmm. to take a breather and look back at what you've done and reflect and enjoy it. Um, because so oftentimes the people who are doing these types of projects that you're describing um, are so, you know, almost neurotic in a way oh, yeah. that they, as soon as something's done, they're just on to the next thing. They don't, they don't know how to slow down and enjoy the moment at, at times. I mean, I'm, you know, maybe with, with myself, you know, it's like I was trying to start another hotel before I even finished this one. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell myself, man, I don't, you don't have the money. What do you, you know, you, this isn't like, don't do that. Like calm down, focus on this project, finish it and enjoy that and then get started on something new. Yeah, can we talk about the nitty-gritty of that? So you walk in, you have you don't come from a, a the, the hotel world or the the commercial real estate or anything that has to do with building, am I right? Yeah, well, Other I was a, I was an engineer. Right. But that um, has nothing to do with how you build, build a, a building. Am yeah, I right I made, or okay. Yeah, I was not a general contractor or builder at all. And right. I was not in the hotel business. So you wouldn't have even known to check the foundation before you purchased. Um, yes. Well, I mean, you know, my inspector, I mean, it's just the type of thing that you don't think about. And now I I will think about that, but yeah, I, yeah, I get, when we pulled this whole project off, we, you know, we bought a 29 room hotel, two miles away from Boulder on seven acres with a wastewater treatment plant and a building with no foundation on it, all sorts of problems. And uh, we had no idea what we were getting was it into. Built? It was well, it was built in the in 1941. Right, but then, so it can't help but have lots of problems, right? So yeah. the way you see it, I'm assuming, is just that you're buying a piece of ground in the mountains. Well, but the, but we had the advantage of actually having the the structures built because mm-hmm. we had customers the first day, even That's though the place wasn't perfect. We had customers the first day, and so we started learning on that first day. So how how was it built into your business model to? fix all the things that we're going to need fixing. And then, you know, in learning those mistakes, I guess what I'm trying to get at is it sounds like you went with flow to make this decision. It felt right. It felt more authentic to you and, and your mission in life, even without any, any awareness. Did they, would you say that if that, that age old statement of like, 
if I would have known then what I know now, I wouldn't have taken this on or no? No, I, I definitely still would have. This is such a fun project for me and, and, you know, been such an opportunity to be part of the Boulder outdoor community and, and it was work with Chris, beautiful... my business partner and like all the staff. And, and, and the mission I also behind think... it is rat. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, it's still going to be a, a financial no, success. No, no, uh, what I was, know? to finish that point is like, you, that passion that you have allowed you to make those initial mistakes. And like you said, a lot of other things came together and you got lucky. And therefore, that's kind of some, some backup from the universe saying, hey, like, you might not have been perfect, but, but look at the success you've had. Uh, you know, it's like you've had that um, beyond yourself support. And so that's yeah. the point I'm trying to get is when you're in flow, you don't have to be perfect. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And I think that in most things, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to have perseverance. Right. And you have to have passion, you know, because if you don't have passion, you, the perseverance isn't going to be there, mm-hmm. you know, because if, if you're not excited about what you're doing, at some point, you're going to either not do it anymore or you're not going to be good at like it. Like Matt said earlier, it's like, his, we were just talking to Matt Siegel um, when we took a pause, and, and I asked Matt what his, his mission in life was, and it was have fun. And it sounds simple. Is, is that right? No, enjoy it. He said, enjoy yeah, same, it. And same he's an entrepreneur as well, and he's, he's finding that if he's not, just like you're saying, if you're not enjoying um, the adventure of what it takes to run a business, then, then it's not worth it. But if you're enjoying it, that's part of your payoff. That's part of the equity that you're building. I would say that with skiing, like I've still never found something more enjoyable um, to do with my time, even though there are moments of suffering and freezing and being sick because I've been on too many airplanes with, and maybe I sound full of myself because wouldn't that be nice to jet set around chasing snow? I mean, that's the perception of, I think, what people assume a pro skier does. But the truth is you have to show up, you have to deliver, uh, you have to uh, produce uh, and keep producing for your clients or therefore your sponsors uh, and keep reinventing yourself. And it takes a lot. And to stay at a top level Mm -hmm. takes a tremendous amount of training and commitment and discipline. I think for me, I tried to be, you know, I wanted to go that route of being a professional expedition climber and I had the opportunities and honestly I don't think my discipline was quite there and um and it takes a ton so kudos to you and Matt and you know all those guys who just work their asses off and oh well like Matt also said there have been way better people who have (laughs) what was it there have been Um, had worse worse things have happened to better people to better people so I, in honor of all the people that that's true for, um, I, I, I hope I can just do a fraction of, of some of the good people that well, I've known what they've done without anyone knowing. Sure. <laughs> so. And I think that, you know, all of us, well, the two of us for certain have had a, a really lucky and, and wonderful, at least opportunities. You know, I, I, man, I've had a lot of great luck in my life for sure. Do you feel like there's any advice you'd give to, to someone who has been in your shoes, who, you know, he starts off as an athlete and, and, and an adventurer, he, she, you know, goes in, gets the degree you should have, right? Like, oh, I'm going to be an engineer because that's what grandpa was and blah, blah, blah. You go, you still don't feel like you fit in. So you follow your passion, like they say. And for you, it was engineering jewelry. And then you found out that there wasn't um, the audience for that, like you hoped. So, um, and now on your second business, which is I love adventure and I want to help 
other people who are looking for adventure have, find a place to stay where they can find it all in one place. You know, I, 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 any yeah. advice for, for the guy like you who um, back in the day when he really needed some words of encouragement might I think need. that, um, you know, when you put yourself out there long enough, serendipity <laughs> will find you eventually. Uh, especially if you've got an open heart and positive intentions, um, you know, probably won't be what you originally set out to, you know, the, the goal or the destination you originally set out to, to get to. But um, I really believe in serendipity and the ability to pick yourself up after a failure or a defeat and let go of resentment to be able to find that serendipity. Things don't always go as planned. We just have to dance with what life gives us and make the most of it. For me, a big takeaway from this conversation was to just slow down and take on the task at hand. I want to thank you for listening and hope somehow today's conversation inspired you to show up for something you truly believe in. If you enjoyed the conversation, give us a review on iTunes, spread the word, Message me on social media and let me know what you're thinking. I love hearing from you. Until next time, see you in the mountains, unicorns.